2: a multiple award-winning radio broadcast, now in our 18th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show, committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community.
3: And good evening, I'm Clarence Boone. Onyx Fest is presented by the Africana Repertory Theater of IUPUI, or uh, uh, the acronym is RT, the IU School of Liberal Arts at IUPUI. IU School of Education at IUPUI and IUPUI Office of Community Engagement in partnership with Indy Fringe. The first week's productions will be at the Indy Fringe Basile Theater, November three through six, and the second week at the IUPUI Campus Center Theater, November tenth through the twelfth.
2: Now let's meet the playwrights and the directors for this Honest Facts season. Celeste Williams is the writer of Black is My Color. The directors are Tamara Elon and Manon Voice. Michael Florence is the writer of Houseless, not homeless. The director is Eric Washington. Charlotte Booth is the writer of Majesties. The director is Chandra Fame. Gabriel Patterson is the writer and director of Your Love Will Be Judged. Rain Wilson is the writer and the director of Police State. And finally, Vernon Williams, executive producer of Onyx Films, is the writer of A Noise in the Attic. And the director is Deborah Farrell.
3: And as always, each year, and I think we're now in our, maybe our fourth year of talking with people from onyx and wow this this whole program is taking off Uh, we're pleased as always to have you with us and just for full disclosure vernon and i are lifetime friends and charla booth knows all my secrets as we were in second grade together way back when uh she of course is that uh, writer of majesties and uh she always was a queen but anyway uh, we're pleased to have this talented cast of playwrights and directors with us this evening to discuss the upcoming fall season of Onyx Fest. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Thank you. you. Uh, I'll I'll lead off with a question if I can. Uh, Vernon, how do you secure such great talent, both as playwrights and directors? What's the secret?
0: Well, we cast a big net and uh, ask for people to submit entries. And every year, uh, that field of entries has grown. Mm In the first year we had a little bit under a dozen. The second year we got into the teens. The third year we got about 29 um, entries and this year we had over 40. Uh, When you have over 40, that means that you have a lot of good scripts from which to choose. We had a juror panel versed in theater that took those scripts that were passed on to them and reviewed them to see which were their favorites and out of that they came up with the selections and the talent that you see here tonight and in terms of their directors and the actors they handled that they decided who was going to direct their play they cast their plays and they work with them throughout the process to make sure that they adequately and accurately bring their vision to the stage.
3: I'm, I'm impressed as always, and mm-hmm. it's just that's a statement to say that each year, uh, the caliber of uh, both um, uh, playwrights, directors, and the content that they bring to life before before an audience is just growing and growing. Um, Liz, I, I just had one quick question. Go ahead. Two different sites this year, uh, the first week at the Indie Fringe Basile Theater, I hope I pronounced that right. Is it mm-hmm. Basile or Basile Theater? Basile. And that's November 3rd through 6th. And then IUPUI Campus Center Theater, November 10th through 12th. So the the impact is broadening. You're taking it to various communities. So can you speak a word about that?
0: Yeah, the thought on that was Indie Friends is a partner. So we definitely wanted the place to have this campus community impact. That the first weekend would be community for those who are used to going to theaters right off Mass Avenue in that community, in that theater community. The second weekend is because as sponsors, we want to make these plays readily accessible to the primary audience right there on campus, of faculty, staff, students, alumni, and those in the immediate university community. So that was a thought process in having both of those venues. Okay, Liz.
2: Okay. My question is, uh, and this could be for each one of you to answer if you would like, is, is the public hungry for Black artists now, for Black art in all forms? Oh my gosh. One, so, oh, yeah,
4: go <laughs> I ahead. I want to jump in for that one. I think that the world is hungry for Black art. I think everyone realizes that our stories have been repressed for so long and have been reinvented to be something other than what they are, that people are finally ready to accept authenticity and truth. I think the playwrights that are selected for Onyx Fest for this fall and for next spring, all of them have magnificent stories to tell. And I think more than just the Indianapolis community, I think everywhere is waiting to see these shows and hear these stories. So yeah, I think the world is hungry.
2: Anyone else like to chime
1: in on that? No, I'll give it a shot. Since of, of the what four playwrights that are here, I'm the, you know the one with the least amount of experience. I kind of fell into writing plays because I tried to write the great American novel and couldn't, so I tried a one act play. Um, what I've learned about the theater industry is what I've learned these last three years with Vernon Charla, and Charla and all the other playwrights and directors. Because, I mean, I didn't know. So whatever they tell me, oh, really? Okay. And I just take it and run with it because I know any different. Um, So I'll uh, go with whatever they say because they know I don't. I'm just kind of learning day by day um, and just trying to
0: be a part of the community.
2: Wonderful. Anyone else want to answer that?
0: Well, I think that the... Social consciousness raising of the um, 2020 experience reminded us of how our unique struggle um, had varying levels of stories and narratives that needed to be voiced. And uh, it really piqued the interest of not only people who are people of melanin, but people who suddenly were interested in trying to get a better understanding of some of the cultural and ethnic variations. And at the same time, um, bringing it in such a way that it's um, educational and highly entertaining because you can learn so much while you're having fun. (laughs)
2: Yes, absolutely. So with that being said, um, I gather that now, is our time. This is our time to shine. So with that being said, Vernon, did you have difficulties finding partnerships or were people ready to jump on and go, yeah, I'm going to give you some money?
0: (laughs) Well, we have always had a degree of success with those who we've reached out to, and we're continuing to enjoy them. The uh, Central Indiana community Foundation has been a major sponsor of Onyx Fest each and every year. Um, and they can see ICF continues to play that role this year. Uh, Dr. James Wimbush from Indiana University stepped in this year and provided significant funding for this event from his office. And we're very, very appreciative of that. Last year from the Bloomington campus, we enjoyed the support of the Vice President of Research as well as the Neil Marshall Foundation. So we've had supporters who have sustained Onyx Fest throughout the years and Morgan Stanley has been another. And we are very, very appreciative of that support.
2: Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. That's giving them a shout out. And since you mentioned Bloomington, I know Bloomington has helped us Resilience Productions, with, and that's myself, Dr. Gladys Devane, and mm-hmm. Daniel Bruce is our director. Kudos mm-hmm. to Jim Wilmbush. So with that being said, when are you, you going to bring this to Bloomington?
0: Oh, we'd love to bring a few plays down there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that we should be intentional about making that happen and, and bringing them down at least two at a time. Uh, and scheduling some dates until we've had all six of them brought to campus. Um, so you start that dialogue so it won't sound like I'm inviting myself to the party, and then I'll just take the bait, okay?
2: Okay, okay. Not only campus, but here in the city as well.
0: And absolutely. We'd love to do that.
2: Okay. Thank
5: Can you. I say one thing about the financial support? Yes. That's really important because we get used to doing things on the cheap to the point of expecting it. And I think we need to get to the point of, we, we know our worth and that we pay for our worth. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. I know, I know in the acting community, actors get used to doing things for nothing and um, just for the experience. Um, but I think it's good that we are we are paying our actors, we're paying our directors. And um, that's that's an important part of, of this, I believe. Wouldn't you agree, Verna?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, from the outset, we will determine that every playwright, every director, every technical assistant, every actor would be paid. And in addition to that, the funds that we are able to accrue, help develop the sets that they use, the costuming, and some of the ancillary expenses. So we've gone into it with the mindset that along with the creativity, we want to make sure that the financial part, because that's the most difficult part of producing a play. I've been trying to produce plays since 1980. Uh, Yeah, I was about five years old. Um, And and, um, at, at that point, uh, there were no such grants as the kind that the Africana Repertory Theater of IUPUI is providing today. Nothing like it. As a matter of fact, I'm not aware of any that existed five years ago before they did this, not on an annual basis and not locally. Uh, so it's, it's a wonderful program for, for those who organized Art and who make that available. So as to, Celeste say, we can respect the talents of people coming to the stage and behind the scenes.
2: Thank you so much, Clarence.
3: It would help if I unmute myself, thank you. Um, <laughs> and, and everybody needs to know that this is not Vaudeville and this is not, they're not buskers out there, but these are, this is talent bringing their craft to the stage. Making an impact wherever they go. I, I want to begin with each of the six plays, and Liz, I'll, I want to address the first two, and then if you could take the next two, and then uh, we'll, we'll uh, work with the last two. But, okay. Uh, Miss Celeste Williams, the writer of Black is My Color, tell us uh, how much of an impact that uh, Marie Evans had uh, on this play. Oh, my.
5: She was everything. Um, Ms. Evans was of Indianapolis, even though she wasn't born in Indianapolis, she spent the last 70 years of her life in Indianapolis and she adopted it. She loved it. Um, That love gave her space to criticize it, which she did. (laughs) Um, And I based the play on two things. First of all, an essay she wrote um, back in the 80s called Ethos and Creativity, in which she kind of gave an overview of her view of Indianapolis. Um, And the second pillar on which I built this play was um, um, my personal encounters with her, a couple of, of short personal encounters I had with her late and her life. And so I put those two things together and, and built a, a play around it. Um, I have two characters of Black women of different generations who come together and have different views of their lives as Black women and they they kind of um, use the poetry of Mari Evans to to analyze where they are and and um decide where they're going so that that's the basis of the play
3: thank you thank you and um mr michael florence uh, writer of writer of houseless not homeless and uh that phrase houseless uh the community has been educated to that i'd say within the last year or so at least here in bloomington um people are corrected when they say homeless and people say no no they're just houseless But in reading the description of your play, I was taken aback by the one line that said that the average American is two paychecks away Mm -hmm. from being houseless. And can you comment on that a little bit, sir? Yeah. uh, Long story short, I I came across this subject. I watched a lot of YouTube
1: videos. And I came across a YouTube video or a series called Invisible TV, And I kind of reimagined it. With Invisible People's guy Mark Horvath, he's the face of it. He goes around the country in the UK and Canada, and he interviews homeless people. And the interviews can be any minute, anywhere from three minutes to thirty minutes long, depending on the subject. And you know, he asks the basic questions. You know, Clarence, this is Bloomington. You're homeless. How did that happen? And you know, you tell your story. And then at the end, he says, "If you had three wish, three wishes, what would they be?" And you know, if you would think, if you, I would think, if you're homeless living on the street, the first wish would be to have a home or apartment or something. And and a lot of people do, but you'd be amazed by how many say, you know, world peace and nobody ever to be homeless and things like that. So I kind of reimagine that in my play. My mark Mark Horvath is named Matt, and he's talking to homeless people in the park. And there, there are five characters: one uh, Lonnie, who's a displaced union plumber. Uh, there is a soldier who was uh, discharged honorably from. The military, but has PTSD issues. Mm -hmm. There's a young lady in her 20s with two small kids that live in a minivan. Um, There's Pauline, who's a retired postal worker who eventually became a social worker and worked in a women's shelter. The women's shelter loses its funding; she's out on the street. And then the fifth one is. Is the if you come see the play and actually houseless not homeless is the best of the six, but uh, if you come if you come to see my play, you'll see the last character John. He's a an attorney who's bipolar, and it's kind of how he fell on hard times. And there's a little twist at the end because I'm trying to make that be my signature. A twist at the end. I had the same a, a similar kind of twist in my first play in Onyx Fest 2020 uh, on the corner. So I'm trying to make that my, my signature, but. What, it, what I'm trying to say, and I'm not really trying to make social commentary, so to speak, just to make you think that, you know, you've got a plumber, you've got a lawyer, you've got a former postal worker, anybody, any of us, any of this six of us that are on this call, mm-hmm. if the wrong thing happened, you could end up homeless. Because typically what happens, uh, according to Mark and his videos, is that first you lose your job, you lose your car, you lose your place to live. You may have family that are taking in or you may have family that can't or won't take you in for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And then where do you go? Uh, Shelter and some I don't know. I don't really know about the shelter situation in Indianapolis, but from Mark Horvath's point of view, he's based in California. And there's some horror stories about shelters in California and L.A. in particular. And people don't want to go to the shelters because they can be dangerous. So they live on the streets, which could be dangerous as well. But they figure at least I'll be out in the open or I can hide or whatever it is. And you can't really hide too much in the shelter. So that's, that's where I got my inspiration for it. Uh, I just became intrigued, I guess, for lack of a better word, about the homeless because I never really gave it a lot of thought. I'm sad to say, I mean, I would see homeless people. And in the back of my mind, I could I could feel for them. But then, you know, I move on and go to something else. But, yeah, if you get anything out of my play is that, that phrase you just said that, you know, two miss paychecks, and any of us can be out on the street under the right or wrong circumstances.
3: Thank you, uh, Liz, i can turn it over to you.
2: Okay, uh, Charla? Is Charla available to, to talk about uh, Majesties? I am, and it is actually Majesties. Ah, uh, Majesties, okay.
4: Yes. So when you hear the word majesty, usually you think of royalty, a queen. And so this play is all about Black women of different ages, in different stages of their life, of their relationships, um, realizing that their majesty, their inner beauty, their queen, um, their self-validation, all lies within them and not at the hands of any man. Sorry, guys. (laughs) So my play takes place In pretty much present day, there are three women, one in her late 50s, early 60s, who has been waiting since high school for her first love to finally want to marry her. The second young lady is in her 40s. She's been married at the house, white picket fence, great life, Um, had a husband who decided he needed to make some fast money, got caught up in some illegal activity. And let's just say when he got out of jail, he was really ready to move on. The third young lady is barely 20. She is looking for a different kind of love. She has a father who has never publicly acknowledged her as his daughter. Everyone thinks she's his niece because at the time she was conceived, her mother was barely a teen and it was illegal because he was a young adult. And so his own mother helped him hide this secret and raise this daughter as an outside family member. And so she's waited her whole life just to be a daddy's girl and to be able to tell people that he's her daddy. And so as fate would have it, the three women meet up at a spa. This spa is run by an old African sage who's a lot more wise than people would believe she is. And she has magically gathered these women together. And so they are able to come together and talk about their truths their lives their longings and help each other realize that what they are looking for has been inside of each of them all the time that they are women that are valuable and worthy and beautiful and necessary and all of those things that we want to be and it's okay to not have those other things relationships are great we meet other people in our lives but if we don't have them right now, we're still okay, and we can still be majesties.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I've got a follow-up question, but uh, Clarence, it's time for an ID, please.
3: All right. Uh, for those who are listening in to bring it on this evening, we are just really thrilled to have back with us um, those affiliated with the Onyx Fest. And we mentioned that this is Indianapolis, it is one of Indianapolis' premier um, stage just experiences for african-american playwrights and directors and when you go to see an onyx fest performance you're transformed uh, joining us this evening is celeste williams who is the writer playwright rather of black is my color uh, the director is Tamara elon g and manon voice michael florence is the playwright for houseless not homeless and the director is eric washington charla booth is the writer of majesties and the director is chandrea Fune. and gabrielle patterson is the playwright and director of your love will be judged she was not able to join us this evening but uh, she is one of the uh, playwrights that will have her production uh, premiered here at uh, onyx fest Rain Wilson joins us again from previous uh, interviews, and she is the playwright and director of Police State. And finally, Vernon A. Williams, <clears throat> who is the executive producer of OnyxFest, is the writer of A Noise in the Attic, and the director is D- Deborah Farrell. So thank you for joining us this evening, and I hope you are intrigued by what you hear, but even more so, we want you to get out uh, to these performances and we'll save some time at the end to announce where, when, what time, and then of course, that all important, how much. So I, I, I throw it back to you, Liz.
2: All righty, thank you. Um, the follow-up question I have for Majesties is, um, were these stories or the women based on someone you know? Uh, yeah, me. <laughs>
4: um, okay. Actually, uh, it did come out of personal experience. I am uh, an older, middle-aged Black woman. I'm in my early 60s. I have not actively dated for over 10 years. Um, and it really isn't my choice. I haven't been approached. And so in speaking with a lot of my friends, I learned that no one is really trying to court them either. And so as we sat and commiserated about um, how we have to be okay, in spite of the fact that we would all probably rather be in a relationship, we started to look around to see why. And all of the gentlemen um, that were in our age bracket uh, were with much younger, uh, attractive, usually non-melanated women. And so that became a concern of mine. And so there are some lines in the play because I believe in putting humor on any dark situation because that's how black people have always made it through um, that reference things like, why have Cicely Tyson when you can have Kim Kardashian kind of mentality for this man? And uh, he tells his daughter all the time, if you're not exotic, then there's nothing erotic about you. Nobody's going to want you. And so because of that kind of a mindset, I just thought it was important to have an opportunity for women to start conversations about where we are in life and our relationships and what we can do to get past that and move on and feel fulfilled, even if we don't have a relationship.
2: Thank you. I thought that was just here in Bloomington because I know some sisters who left Bloomington are uh, educated IU professors. I've got. They go, I've got to get out of here because I can't buy a date. I'm the wrong color and they left. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, Rain
4: is the writer.
2: Hi, of Police State. That is intriguing to me because my dad was a police officer. My husband was a police officer and my brother. So I'm really interested in your play. Can you give us a little bit about that, please?
6: Yes, um, my play um, deals with police brutality. Um, in so many cases that we're seeing today, um, black men, um, often unarmed are being shot by white, um, cops. And so, um, there's a young man, um, named Amadi. We never see him, but the story revolves around, um, his death. He was shot eight times by a cop. Um, he was unarmed and his mother and father and the community now are grappling with his death and really dealing with what, um what that leaves people to actually deal with. And the conversation that ensues actually deals with the father making a statement to the mother um, that protesting and marching for me right now is not enough. And she wants to know what he means by not enough and that he is not going to wait for a court to decide the fate of the cop. And so um, we really just, just tackle that the way that it tears at relationship, the way that our young men are valuable and they are loved, um, we see the character um, of BJ and another young man who's an old friend of Amadi's from growing up at the beginning, talking about a protest and their view about community organizing. One feels very strongly about it; another one feels like it's not enough. And then we deal with um, the mother and father. Um, her take is that it's not God's will for us to take vengeance upon ourselves. And the father's um, take is that, um, was it God's will for our son to be killed um, at at 28 years old? And so they really deal with that. And then the brother-in-law who is a white male, um, married to Abu's sister comes in to help and does everything but. And so we really examine that. Um, One of the comments um, from the play is that when you put hate in a uniform, it doesn't change the hate. Um, if you put hate um, on the chest of a man and you call it a badge, it still does not change the hate. So, what do we do with the hate? What do we do with the idea that um, people are afraid that they're going to be replaced with the fear element that they say about our young men? And so, we really are just grappling with those um, with those with those questions throughout, and. I, I believe that it's, um, it's intense to mess with other ideas outside of just protesting. But um, one, one of the comments is just that Black people have for so long been the most forgiving people on the planet. And so when it comes time to um, forgive, but also raise up in solidarity and make new decisions what does that look like what does going in a different direction look like and so we we examine some different directions
2: very very good
3: yeah thank you Mm -hmm. rain uh that was powerful and a couple questions have flown through my mind on that and before i get to vernon uh, i just want to have a follow-up question uh you're speaking as if you are sharing the pain of countless families in America and you know this play seemingly is ripped from the headlines um, of, of our nation's newspapers and mm-hmm. let me ask you a personal question if I may
6: mm-hmm.
3: is this a, one of those close to home plays for That's you awesome.
6: it's it's close to home um, simply because my calling is to really speak for those who no longer have a voice and when I think about the Ahmad Arbery's and the Tamir Rice's and the Trayvon Martin's, those are people whose voices were snatched from them. And so as a poet, um, that's my calling. It has to be about transformation and life-changing work. And I'm always speaking at funerals, whether it's a police brutality situation or another situation, but at our black men's funeral and being someone that's from Chicago, always speaking life over that death. And um, I am truly a believer that Unless someone feels a sense of fear that their life is also in jeopardy, I do not believe without that they are going to stop taking um, those who we give birth to. And so it, it's very serious for me. And I have a 31 um, year old son.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, at work, there's uh, a colleague of mine who, who just did a magnanimous thing several months ago. Uh, it was laid on her heart just to buy flowers. Mm. and to present them to black men along with a card that said um, "It is said that black men don't receive flowers unless it's their funeral but we wow. want you to know today that you are loved black man
0: mm. and that's
3: up on my board and that's going to stay there and I want I, I want people to ask the question ooh, ooh, what does this mean so I can have about 30 minutes with them but uh, yeah. uh, it's that validation oh, wow. that that black men seek we just just did a show uh liz and i she moderated it by the way we had a panel of black men and um, basically it was entitled the skin i'm in and we covered a variety of topics from the talk to getting profiled to just how do you feel in america and then we did a part two uh, that talked about let's talk about the positives and the impact we can have as black men so your play is timely it's painful Mm-hmm. but it might lead to healing. And for that, I thank you. Thank and you. I know that wasn't a, that was not an easy play to birth as all of you have birth plays, but but uh, my hat goes off to you. Thank Vernon, you. Vernon, uh, executive producer of Onyx Fest. Is this uh, Onyx Fest morphing into everything you dreamt it would morph into? That's my first question.
0: I just want to say this. Um, I, I would take my hat off if I had one on uh, to my fellow, uh, playwrights because they have brought a variety mm-hmm. of important stories to the stage. Right. Uh, each in its own way has a very critical place in the in in the mindset of uh, Black America. And certainly we're not a monolithic people. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't all have the same experiences and and the same um, even concerns, but the only way to find out that, that broad spectrum of our reality is to have creative people like this, uh, bring these kinds of stories into the light. When I got the award in Bloomington, I made a point of saying that in my view, uh, the stage is a medium, it's like radio, television, social media, um, because what are all those things except for platforms to tell stories? Mm -hmm. More often than not, those stories, if they involve us at all, involve us in a negative light. Um, The stage is the place where we can capture this medium and shape it in a form that represents our mindset, our authentic experience. And that's what all of these playwrights have just expressed in describing their work.
3: And uh, thank you for that. Um, Back to my question, I I wanna know, is Onyx becoming that platform that you dreamt it to be?
0: I think so, I think so. Um, We always wanted, I love theater. Mm -hmm. And I did not want it to be uh, just one kind of theater, okay? Um, there are some people who love to take uh, plays that have been produced a million times and, and sold out on Broadway and, and bring them to the stage. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's an opportunity for actors and dancers and singers, um, costumes. And, that, and that's great. Um, others um, uh, prefer the plays where you may have a slight bit of stereotypical elements involved, where we are consistently dangerous people um, Mm -hmm. who are living dreadful, um, self-indulgent lives and preying on one another. Um, And if a person wants to write that play, that's fine. But what we have in these plays is uh, we are covering the um, the broader approach to our existence and showing that there's more than one way to bring entertainment on stage and to capture people's attention. I had a theater person tell me the other day that she was reading through scripts. She happened to be Caucasian. Uh, She was reading through scripts and she said what bothered her was all the plays were so serious. And she said, I just want to laugh. I just want to laugh. Mm-hmm. And I said, so do we. So do we. And as soon as we can, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's an obligation now. Don't get it twisted. we We love comedy. Mm-hmm. I think it was Charlotte who said that one um, um, uh, way that black people deal with their pain is through humor, mm-hmm. but we're not the clown. We're That's not right. we're not about the buffoonery. We're not purely for the entertainment of people who just want jesters on stage. Um, That day of the of the um, minstrel is over. Um, uh, That's not what we're about. So if we have a comedy, um, you're going to hear some punch even in the comedy.
3: Right. You know, um, thank you for eloquently describing um, what you envision Onyx to be uh, both future as well as where it is now and it seems like you're definitely on the right course you charted a good course for onyx Uh, i want to get into a noise in the attic and your titles uh sometimes your titles sort of summarize these but your titles can also lead someone down a path that they weren't expecting but a noise in the attic or can i assume that this is an ethereal love connection
0: well, Clarence, I love writing plays that deal with relationships. Um, um, *Signs for My Sisters and, mm-hmm. and so many of those plays dealt with various aspects of relationships. Um, this is no different. It's, it happens to be a suburban household where a very ambitious and philandering um, middle-class husband um is ignoring the uh, dreams and aspirations of a very faithful and supportive wife Mm -hmm. and in the middle of that is his daughter and her stepdaughter who makes no effort at all to uh, show her any modicum of respect as long as she's daddy's girl Mm -hmm. and um the combination is explosive Mm -hmm um gently explosive uh there's a noise in the attic and nobody can figure out what it is and and the um uh, mystery of what that noise is and what's causing it uh becomes um the central theme of discussion around their relationship at some point it turns out to be very eventful but i won't give too much away because it's a uh, Comedy, drama, mystery, romance—all <laughs> right, all right, all That's the tough. above rolled into one. All so you just got to come and see what the noise in the attic is. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Well, I know I, I, Mike said his play is the best. I'm not gonna argue. Maybe <laughs> it is, but um, uh, but all the rest, the other five are tied for a second. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, well, well, my
2: I, question, go ahead. No, no,
0: no go, go ahead. I was about to say something that, that I probably
3: won't take back, but go ahead, Liz.
2: <laughs> I, I want you to tell us, because, uh, you know, as usual, an hour goes by so fast. I want to see all of them. Yes. So when I come to Indianapolis, I'm going to have to stay somewhere. The the way you've got it organized at, at these uh, different locations, is it possible to see all of them?
0: You know, I tell you, uh, uh, there's a day, a, a day, that you can see four of them in a row at uh, IUPUI. Uh, um, and, okay. and the night before, um, I believe you can see the other two. So I think if you can uh, stay that Friday and that Saturday, that would be the, uh but the calendar is correct in my mind, the 11th and the 12th. Um, I think that's a chance to see all six of them.
2: Okay. And, and don't be asking to tag along with me, Clarence.
3: <laughs> well, I wanna know I wanna know uh y'all important how much it costs and how do we get
0: tickets. You know, we, we wanna keep this affordable and accessible. And even though uh plays like this uh usually garner three, four, five times more, tickets mm-hmm. are fifteen dollars. Okay. Because we we wanna do this as a service to the community. Sure. We just wanna get people in to say we, we want all ages we want students we want senior citizens we want people on a fixed income to be able to afford it and those people with a lot of money in the bank and 401ks like Clarence, yes, it'll be cheap. Uh, that's like that's like couch change for you, but it's even fifteen dollars for you. We don't raise the price up just because you're affluent, okay? Well,
3: I, I, um, I appreciate that, and maybe I'll stand out with free tickets and just pass yeah. them out. Clarence, this, this is yeah. what
0: God, this is what God might want you to do. He might <laughs> want you to buy about ten of them and give them away. That's what God wants you to do.
3: But I think he's telling you to gift me the tickets for each of these places. But now, now, just be clear. This is not a package situation. So if you go on Sunday, the uh, 6th, you will pay 15 for black is my color and then 15 for houseless, not homeless and 15 for majesties.
0: Is that yes, right? um, uh, okay. they they are fifteen dollars a piece. Okay, so 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 we were going to do like the street vendor and say, but two but <laughs> two for twenty five. No, 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 no. We, no, no, no. we were going to reduce yeah. it to that, Clarence. They're and, fifteen dollars okay. a piece,
3: brother. All right, and and, and I endorse <laughs> that whole, whole wholeheartedly. Um, um, I, I would like to take a moment because somebody has just probably tuned in and, and they're wondering why these two people are going back and forth over price. Well, let me tell you why. Today, we are talking to playwrights and directors for this Onyx Fest 2022 season. And we have heard tonight from Celeste Williams, who wrote Black is My Color. And the director is Tamara Elon G. and Monon Voice. And we've heard from Michael Florence, who is the playwright for Houseless, Not Homeless. And the director is Eric Washington. We've heard from Charla Booth, who is the playwright for Majesties, the director is Shondrea Thune. Um, Not joining us tonight, but definitely check this play out, Gabrielle Patterson, she is the both the playwright and director of Your Love Will Be Judged. And I'll ask Vernon to talk a little bit about that once we finish this I.D. And Rain Wilson is the writer and the director of Police State. And finally, Vernon uh, who was just, uh, Vernon Williams, who was just explaining and expounding on the pricing Uh, which is really the deal of a century for all of these plays because you know good and well you will be playing like he said three to four to five times more Uh, this is an investment of cultural significance so vernon a williams is the executive producer of onyx fest and he is the playwright of a noise in the attic not a bump upstairs but a noise (laughs) in the attic and the director is deborah farrell uh, please share with us, Vernon, uh, we have uh, about uh, 10 minutes left. Talk to us about Gabrielle Patterson's uh, uh, passion and her, her, her directorial debut of Your Love Will Be Judged.
0: Well, and, and I welcome other playwrights who are familiar with it to uh, chime in. But it's, it's examining uh, some aspects of, of love and relationships. And she uses a very creative setting of a courtroom um, to uh, judge and discuss and bring up uh, dialogue on relationships from various perspectives. It's a very intriguing presentation uh, that she's put together. And she's a veteran playwright who's done Onyx Fest in previous years. And she had a conflict this evening that she uh, had to take care of uh, with family-related. But she, the work is incredible, and you're going to love it. Anyone
3: else like to chime in on that?
4: Um, I think Vernon summed it up really well. I just know that the premise of the play is what if you lived in a society where in order to get a divorce, you had to have a jury trial? What would six oh. different people from six different backgrounds think about your relationship if they had the power to decide your marriage fate?
3: That's interesting. That's interesting. Wow. I can wow. yes. envision that we would reduce the rate of divorce uh, dramatically if that were the case. Uh, Liz, uh, it's, up, it's on you.
2: Okay. Um, for Rain, Rain, I felt your passion about um, your your piece, police state. And um, I don't want you to give to, I know you explained it very, very well. Uh, I feel what you feel. I feel that whenever I hear these stories, I've lost a son. I have one child, but all of these young men, I feel, are mine. Mm-hmm. So, can you tell us? Uh, you said, uh, from from your perspective, um, are things going to get better with this?
6: Um, I I think that um, I think that we're definitely. Um, we can't go wrong to keep changing the tactics. Um, I, I think that we, we must change the tactics, but I definitely think that um, whatever we're doing now, it is not, um, it has not been effective, you know? And, and I, I don't think that's an opinion. I think that um, the more stories that come out, the, the more lives that get lost, we see that we are not yet doing anything to d- deter The death of young people, whether they are hands up, hands down, running, facing forward, hogtied, it it, it doesn't matter. So, I really think that the idea of compliance needs to um, be brought up in the community as well as um, in policing. This idea that if you just comply, there really is no um, rule to allow us to live. So we are still holding signs and in marches, you will always see kids holding signs with moms and with dads, let me live. Um, I'd like to graduate from kindergarten. I'd like to graduate from high school. So to still be at a place in 2022 where we are actually begging for our lives. um, I think that, that we have to do something stronger. We have to do something with more courage and we have to not be afraid to to lose our lives to save the lives of our children and our children's children. I think that's where we are, even if we don't realize it yet.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, Rain. Michael, my question for you is, uh, you're the writer of Houseless, Not Homeless. Did you spend time with anyone that is houseless to write your play?
1: Well, no, I really didn't. And probably looking back on it, I should have, but I mainly just, use for inspiration those videos from physicalpeople.tv and and just trying to empathize with them just to understand that you know a lot of things that we take for granted they just can't do you know we can get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom they can't well they can but (laughs) it won't be inside and you know as a title suggests houseless not homeless because one of my characters says because when she's presented with being called homeless she says no i'm houseless not homeless this is my city, this is where I grew up. I just don't have four walls and a ceiling. So a lot of homeless people have the same issues that house people do. They just don't have four walls and a ceiling to hide it. You know, homeless people get accused of being drug, drug addicts and drunks and having mental issues and, and some do, but there are also people who live in four walls and a ceiling who have those same issues. You just can't see them. So um, no, I wish I had, uh, but I think I got a lot from those videos and just kind of watching people on the street, you see them flying a sign or or shaking a cup on the corner. And, and, you know, people stereotyping, oh, that's a racket. And some of them may be, it may be a racket, but I think you have to have a lot of courage to stand on the street and shake a cup or fly a sign because it's very, I'm sure it's very humiliating to have to do that because you feel like you have no other choice. So, you know, I've learned over these last four or five years where I've been interested in this issue to, you know, not to judge a book by, by its cover, as the old saying goes, because you just never know what they went through, what caused them to be homeless. It could have been something that was just completely beyond their, you know, not their fault. And that's, I think that's what my play kind of speaks to, is that these five people come from various backgrounds, but it happened to them. And if it happened to them, it could happen to us. And you know, and I
4: just you wanted, wanted to add, I'm right sorry. That. Yeah, go ahead, hon. Huh? I was just going to say that he's talking about that he's looked at that for the past four or five years. But I know in the last four or five months since this COVID recovery, rents are increasing. Mortgages are off the charts. People who thought they were going to be okay are struggling like they never have before. And so I just think that Michael's piece is incredibly timely right now because people are thinking about what if I don't get that next check?
2: I think you're right, and especially I know that this play, uh, Michael's play, would definitely hit home in Bloomington. Uh, it's a big issue in Bloomington. Um, the homeless uh, come here from Indianapolis and other places. I've heard that there are advertisements to come to Bloomington because of the services, so I think that this, uh, all of them need to come here but especially that one because of the arguments it's caused about what do we do how do we help people and and you see them everywhere and i see people just completely ignore them drive by do you give them money does that help with their addiction are they mental health issues there's just so much to that problem so thank you for for writing this story and really i'm i was having a difficult time saying which ones will I see? And that's why I asked Vernon, how do I see them all? And so
4: I'll just reiterate again that that second weekend, if you come that Friday evening, you, you can see Rain's play and Gabrielle's. And if you come that very next day, that Saturday on the 12th, you can see the other four. So just make a, a night of it, you know, come into Indianapolis if you don't live here. Get a hotel or a bed and breakfast for that one night. See those first two plays. Go out, have a good time, go to sleep, get up and come back to the theater and you will have seen all six.
3: Oh, Will do. Will do. Well, Vernon, (laughs) as uh, we are sort of landing this plane, as they say, um, I know there's probably some topics we've not touched on and I just want to afford you some time to share with our listening audience those things that are relevant regarding Onyx Fest.
0: Well, first, I think that you all's questions have been extremely insightful, and the um, responses of the playwrights um, have been right on point. So I think there's been a lot of valuable information shared, and we appreciate that. Um, you can get tickets at uh, IndieFringe.com slash Um And and you can also go to onyxfest.com. So there are two sites that you can go to for tickets. Um, If anybody wants to know any more general information, I don't mind, they can call me at 317-457-8779. And I'll answer any questions. Cause I know a a lot of people are not necessarily into uh, computers and they just want to ask a question and um and if you call you'll get a real human being you won't get one of those (laughs) machines that say if it's this punch one if it's that punch two um it'll really be me so um we just hope a lot of people ride up from bloomington ride down from west lafayette come from indianapolis because the work that they are putting into these productions is incredible um it's 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 the value is far more than the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are six plays that are worthy of being viewed. Can you repeat that phone number one more time? 317-457-8779. Mm-hmm. 8779. And just a quick
3: question for you. Uh, you've, I believe done this in the past, but in, in our hometown of Gary, Indiana, uh, the, the Glen Theater. Uh, yes. And I'm not sure if it's so purposed um, and and available to do productions at. But mm-hmm. is this something that you might take abroad or package some of the plays to take on the road?
0: Well, I tell you, um, uh, it's almost like I planted that question, Clarence. Um, <laughs> I have a play at the Glen uh, December 3rd called Being Black. Um, it was produced for Onyx Fest, originally for Onyx Fest two years ago. It's been updated because yeah. the whole Black experience Experience is constantly evolving. So even if you've seen it before, you ain't seen this version. Being Black is going to be at the Glen December 3rd, and tickets for that are at Eventbrite. But one step at a time, right now, it's all about Onyx Fest. All right. All right.
2: All right. Where is the Glen located?
0: 20 West Ridge Road in Gary, Indiana.
2: Okay. All righty. Hey, well, man. we want
3: to. Go ahead, uh, Clarence. I was just going to say, with two minutes left, um, Liz, if you had a follow-up for anybody in particular, we'll go ahead and uh, and wrap this up.
2: Well, um, I'm just trying to think. Um, we just want to make sure that everyone comes to see these plays. Um, what better chance to, to view different plays done by African-Americans and i just want to encourage our listening audience uh, from Bloomington and beyond those folks living here locally. Uh, what's a 40, 45 minute drive from where we are uh, to these locations. They're not that far out. They're just pretty close to downtown. So, you know, 44, 40, 45 minutes and you're there to have an experience. Uh,
4: I just wanted so to add in want- addition to onyxfest.com Facebook has got a great Onyx Fest page. They can go to it. They can meet the cast of the different plays. They can hear the playwrights. We have interviews on. There's lots of information about the production. So all us old school people still use Facebook. Please go to the <laughs> Onyx Fest page. Oh, right. uh,
2: thank you for putting that in. Have we missed anything else to make sure that all the information out there, Vernon?
0: Sounds pretty complete now.
2: All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> thank you. We want to thank celeste williams a writer of uh, black is my color and michael florence writer of houseless not homeless charlotte booth the writer of um majesties gabrielle who wasn't able to be with us this evening she's the writer of your love will be judged rain wilson the writer of police state and mr vernon williams the executive producer of honest fest and he's also the writer of a noise in the attic. We're just so happy to have you here with us. And thank you so much. Thank,
0: thank you. you for great opportunity. Thank you.
3: And, and again, for more information, um, one more time, because I know someone's scrambling for a pencil right now. It's <laughs> You could visit onyxfest.com or go mm-hmm. to Facebook and type in onyxfest or you can call 317-457-8779 and get information on how to experience the 2022 onyx fest fall rollout of dynamic wonderful plays bring it on has an open submission policy so if you have an idea for this program let's hear it send an email to our volunteer staff the address is On at wfhb.org We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Bring It
2: On's executive producer is none other than Clarence Boone. Our assistant producer is myself, Liz Mitchell. Show consultant and WFHB News Department director is Cade Young. Our program engineer is Chantal La Fontante. Original theme music was created by Jamal Ephraim, with additional background checks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Liz Mitchell.
3: And I'm Clarence Boone. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On, right here on your community radio station, WFHB.